Uh, in 10 years time, hopefully, you know, touch wood. Uh... I'm actually a professional footballer now, like that's when it was like officially, because obviously I'd played loads of games before that and even scored and got an assist before that. So it was kind of just like, this is now when it's kind of like official, if that makes sense. That fantasy never changes. Yeah. Uh, I remember like, from the first day I signed, I was just walking through and you know, peering into the gym and you see all these players that you see on TV, you never think you'd be playing with them, let alone at the same building, same club as them. People um, don't necessarily realise this, but people's lives are on line season from season in League One and League Two. Mm. Um, you know, players, football is not a guarantee. You know, players don't have a contract every single year. So being a part of that at 15, like you said, 15, 16, to be, you know, part of the 11 that's involved in that, I had to mature straight away. You know, I couldn't be a kid. I couldn't learn the game as I go as I went. So I was in the middle of nowhere. It was just one little house with a couple of us around it. Mm. So that was about it. Um, that was probably my hardest loan mm. uh, in terms of settling in type thing, just because I was not near anything. I'd literally just left everything, all my friend group behind in the summer type thing. It is hard, like leaving everything behind in like a day. So like Ipswich, I got the call on the Wednesday. I was traveling down the Thursday, trained Friday, started Saturday. Um, so yeah, uh, welcome back to uh, another episode of In 10 Years Time podcast, me, you and Blake Quay, where we talk to young and upcoming athletes about where what they want to achieve in their careers, where they see themselves in 10 years time, obviously, at the end. So yeah, today with me, we've got 20, 20 year olds. You're 20, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, 20, yeah. Uh, right back, Wolves, may know him from being the youngest uh, debutant ever for Rochdale, scored against Man United uh, in the uh, FA Cup. Few years ago, high into the penalty area, and it's Matheson. Can you believe it? Luke Matheson, seven days short. So, yeah, I'll just get started. Uh, Luke Matheson, by the way, I forgot to introduce you, but I'll, <laughs> I'll start Luke by asking um, well, so you're born, so you're born in um, Fallowfield, Manchester. Um, yeah. have you got any siblings? Uh, yeah, one little, one younger sister, yeah, and is she like into like sports or football or anything? Not in her personal life, no. It's only really through me if she even bothers at times. Oh, okay, fair. So, were you, were you like when you were growing up? When you're in when in your family, were you like the only like one that was like interested in football? Like, was it a thing passed down from your dad or your mum or something? Uh, yeah. So, like from a like a main, you know, taking part in sport. Um, it was only really myself that did it. Um, Hannah, my sister, she did like little things, gymnastics, until she was about twelve, thirteen. Um, years old on the side but it was never something that really um, you know kicked on for her the football side of things for myself it was really it was so this little camp called Little Sports that I used to go to on half terms when I was really 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 young yeah I think that was the way of just me mum and dad getting me out of the house because they didn't want me in there during a half term so that was just like this little camp you went all day um, over half terms and stuff and any type of sport you could think of we did that nice. um and then from there, I ended up, you know, getting scouted. This was about eight years old, getting scouted for their um, grassroots teams called FC Sports. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then, then from there, my coach at under nines there was a scout for Rochdale who scouted me. I went on trial at Rochdale and then the rest was kind of history type thing. Cool. Um, so what were you like uh, when you said like your parents trying to get you out of the house? Were you like a little, did they find you a bit annoying then when you're little or something? Or... I think I was just that kid that was always everywhere type thing. Okay. So my mum would put me down for a second and next thing you know, I'd be climbing the couch. You know, I've just always been active doing something. So I think they just needed that kind of little break from me, just keeping them on their toes all the time. Yeah. Um, so when I was like looking you up, I saw that you went to Trinity Church of England High School and you went there for sixth form as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh before before we go, um, like whether you enjoyed it and stuff, um, when you were there, did you all did you did you always want to be a footballer? Was that what you always wanted to be? Was there anything else that you were particularly interested in at school? I wouldn't say um, there was another, you know, be all and end all for me. I've always, you know, every little boy dreams of being a footballer. I've always said that from the mm. start. Um, and I'm so lucky to be where I am because anyone in my anyone my age would love to do what I do. But I yeah. wouldn't say it was, um, you know, something that was the be all and end all for me, whether I made it or not. But then at the same time, I don't think there was... Uh, a dead set specific secondary option at the same time for my for myself um like I said I went to sixth form as well so I did my A levels and my GCSEs and everything because my parents really pushed pushed me to do that to have that backup plan just in case because football is not a guarantee in any way shape or form um for a source of income over a longer time longer period of time especially because they're such short careers as well um if that's if you make it that far touch wood so my parents kind of really pushed me to to do a levels just so i had that you know that secondary backup plan just in case um and thankfully it didn't the football didn't uh, fully work out for me before we like go ask i'll ask you about um before like after the goal against man united because i know obviously things changed a bit after that but um before then like how did you enjoy school uh growing up was it Anything bad happen, or did you just enjoy it? Oh no, I I I absolutely love school. I I loved seeing my friends every, all day, every day. I loved learning. I loved all the extracurricular activities. If there was something on offer for us to do, I'd always do it. Um, I've I always say I'll go if I could go back to school and I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, I I absolutely love school. Um, looking back at all the memories, like the people I met in year seven are still my best friends to this very day. We speak every day. So that type of thing. I just love seeing them every day, doing everything. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely adore school. And um, obviously you've got like, I saw that you're from an early age. I think your mum like let your hair grow long and you just stuck with it ever since. And I also saw that when you're in, when you're in school, um, sometimes some of the, maybe a couple of the lads will like pick on you. Um, did so, did you, did you actually like get properly like, I mean, obviously, you sound like you had a great time in school, so I'm guessing you didn't. But did you ever get made fun of because of that or anything else in school? Uh, no, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I specifically got made fun of or anything like that. I was just always the one who had long hair. That's how I was always recognised. Oh, right. Yeah, so it, it was always just you know friendly banter between groups yeah. of lads. It was never anything serious or anything that genuinely upset me. Because when I was in school. Um, like often the kids that would be good at sports or whatever they'd be considered like the cool kids if you know what I mean so yeah. um, I just wondered whether it was like that in your school or was it like because I spoke to a swimmer the other day and he he told me when he was in high school he was quite good at a couple of sports but he always like he felt like under pressure all the time like he had a target on his back and that people would like 
um, be on him because he was uh, people were jealous of him and stuff. Um, so I don't know if you, how did you find it being the one good at football? Um, yeah, so like you said, I wasn't the only one in that specific situation. Um, obviously, I'm kind of the only one from my school, from my year, who kind of really progressed to the professional level of football. That was a, another lad who was um, coming through at Berry and one of my best friends as well, still to this day, played for Berry as well at the time. Mm. Um, so it wasn't, I wasn't in complete isolation in that aspect of things. Um, obviously, yeah, people may have been jealous and stuff like that, but it never, ever showed, like, it never, ever showed. I, I'm so, I always say this, I'm so lucky for the people I have around me, mm. friends, teachers, things like that, you know, jealousy never, ever, ever showed. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, wasn't the person to, you know, flaunt around school. I went to every lesson, turned up on time. Um, I just wanted to be a normal kid in school, to be honest with you. You know, I didn't want to be this big footballer. I wasn't this big footballer at the time. I was just a normal kid who played, happened to play for an academy at the time. Um, And I also saw that you did, so when you're playing football for Rochdale, you actually did like extra hours of school just to like catch up and stuff. Um. So I just want to ask, like, what's it like being totally... Obviously, I know after the, the United game, a few weeks after that, you signed your professional contract. But before then, obviously, you're playing for Rochdale um, and you're... But then you're also at school. So I just wanted to know, like, what's it like when you're not completely sure of knowing where you're heading? Like, obviously, in your heart, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in Rochdale, I play for Rochdale, you know, yeah. I'm really close to getting a, to getting a, this... Uh, footballing thing doing this footballing thing but then you're like oh well, what happens if it doesn't go through what happens if you know I've got to fall back on this so is that why you did extra hours at school and why you took it quite so quite so seriously uh so the extra hours at school kind of thing was just um me and like um like the teachers and sort of stuff kind of like made like um I was very close with the teachers you know all the way up from teachers just that taught me maths English to my form tutor to head of year all the way up to the head teacher you know every single person was absolutely brilliant with me um so we sat down quite a bit actually um me and specific you know teachers and stuff like that and we actually kind of made like a deal type thing um so we always said that I would so I'd miss games you know like on a Tuesday when I was like in your nine year ten type thing to play games for the youth team and stuff like that so going in the morning I might miss the afternoon or something like that um, and we always said that I would, the second my schoolwork started to fall behind where it should be, was the second I stopped, would be able to stop playing football. And that was pushed on my part and their part just to keep me um, pushing forward with the education. Um, so we always just wanted to make sure that, because I know how important education is, that's why I've continued to do it um, up until up until how old I am now. Um, so it was always just something to keep pushing to make sure that, you know, like you said, football is in no way, shape or form a guarantee. And at this point, I was still a 14 year old kid. Mm. So I was far, far from the professional game um, and actually making it as a professional footballer. So to have that support around me that really, really pushed me and made me strive to be the best that I could possibly be really helped me and really helped me to just succeed in football as well, doing all that. Obviously, like you're twenty now, and or I'm twenty, and I'm I'm a, I'm in uni at the moment. I've the past three years. Um, obviously, you couldn't do that because of your footballing. But I know some athletes. They always they like. Oh no, I always want to go to uni, do the uni experience, whatever that, whatever that may be. Um, did you ever feel like? Did you ever really want to go to uni at 
at some point or would you feel like or now that you're not do you feel like you're missing out or do you does it just not bother you um in some ways yes in some ways no um so obviously like you kind of like when you start coming towards the middle of your college career and stuff like that so that's when you start kind of thinking about uni thinking about long term um whereas when as soon as I left high school I was straight into first team with Rochdale like I didn't really have time to think about that so I kind of from that point forwards I kind of was like okay football this is what I'm gonna do this is what I want to do so I won't say it was something I generally thought about um doing in the future type thing um whereas missing out uh, sometimes obviously um, I've never drunk in my life so that side of things doesn't really you know appeal to me and doesn't right. appeal to me in that aspect but from a missing out perspective the only thing that I really miss out on is my friends um, like that close group I mentioned you know they're all across the country three of them live together in Leeds now one's in London one's in Sheffield that's really the only thing that I miss out on is you know they might all be able to get together on a weekend type thing they all went down to London the other week I couldn't go obviously because we have mm-hmm training and games and stuff so that's really the only thing that I really really miss out on but at the same time it's always worth it like that's just part of the game yeah so you know so I was just so does that affect you do you think much mentally uh, or did, I'm guessing it probably did when you first started but now maybe you're more used to it like how, how do you so it doesn't really bother you now the whole friends thing I think the the hardest part um was at the very start. So obviously they all went to college, um. So they all went to college in Manchester. Uh, six five of them together and one of them not. Um. So they were all seeing, still seeing each other literally every single day. Um. And then that's about the time halfway through that first year is when I moved up to Wool. So I was the only one who moved away. Hmm. So I think that that initial um movement away from them was the hardest at the start. But now it's kind of I'm not isolated on my own being the only one that's not with everyone, whereas everyone's everywhere now. So I think as we've matured, as we've got older, we you know, we still we still speak every single day in the group chat about whatever's going on, you know, football, whatever games on, whatever mm. people are doing. You know, it's not like we've lost contact or anything like that. We still speak as much as we did back in the day. It's just we don't get to see each other as much. Um, so I think it was initially something that I struggled with and was hard but now I'm used to it you know and getting to know lads here at football you know we all some of us live in the same apartment building and stuff so it's not like we don't have things to do at the same time where we just sit on our sit on our on the couches thinking about stuff and stuff like that Um, when you you talk about your group of close mates that you have um, I read somewhere that like after the uh, couple of years ago um, when you signed your professional contract like even even though you're earning, you know, not terrible money, you, but even when you like went out to Nando's or something, they'd still pay for like their stuff or whatever, even though you, you offered. Has that dynamic, not has it always been like that then, that dynamic with your mates, um, even I, since becoming a footballer, professional footballer? Yeah, I, I will always say this. There's, there's a group of seven of us, uh, including myself, and I will, the things they do for me and the things, I will. I owe them so much in in everything. Yeah, and I'm so so fortunate. I'm able to have that close knit um, mm. group of friends. You know, like some people. You know, like a fan or something might see me as Luke Matheson. These guys have always just seen me as Luke as just a normal kid who they they they're friends with. You know, they don't leech off me. They don't ask for anything mm. ever. Um, like you said with the Nando sort of stuff. Um, I I would they would never let me pay for so obviously I was the only one who was actually uh earning at the time because they were still in college type thing mm. so I was like helping them uh offering to help out and buy 
you know, just a simple, you know, like 20 pound Nando's meal, you know, once a month or something like that. They just wouldn't allow it. Even times when I would pay for it without them knowing, I'd find like 20 pound notes in the glove box of my car. So they would just never, ever uh, leech off me or anything like that, you know, um, you know, like buying concert tickets and stuff. I might be the one to buy concert tickets. The money comes back when they say they're going to pay me on payday, you know, that type of thing. You know, it's never a case of I'm different to them. You know, we're all just 20, 19, 20 year old kids going through this life thing together. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so, so grateful for the dynamic that we have. And I'll, I'm forever grateful for each and every single one of them. Yeah. And I suppose it's good as well because you can actually measure, like, if you do meet someone new or try and make new friends, you can see if they're like, real if you know what i mean yeah. you know, oh, like, if you're that yeah. tight-knit group then you know well they're they're going to be there for me 100 and if someone else comes up to you and try and get to know them and you're like well you're not gonna if and they're like oh yeah can you just help me like pay for this taxi or something or oh yeah can you help me pay for that then you know for a fact that they're not really there to be your oh, friend 100 percent. like I said i've got that that basis to base things off of now um so i can i know if you know i'm not saying people have done this to me in any way shape yeah. or form but and I will, would almost be able to tell and recognise because I'm I'm just like, I'm looking over there because they're all on my wall there. I'm just so grateful oh. for one of them. Um. So after the, I'm, I know I'm going to be going back to this a lot, so <laughs> sorry if it gets a bit annoying. But um, after the United game when you scored, um, I saw when you went, you went back to school the next day um, and then you had like loads of like year sevens and stuff coming up to ask for your yeah. autograph and stuff on their planets and whatever. And then I also saw that like your Instagram following grew from two thousand to eighteen thousand followers. Um, yeah. Did you ever feel? Because I've asked a couple of athletes on here that they, you know, when people sing their praises and that, they feel a little bit like awkward sometimes, or you know, a bit flattered when people praise them or something good happens to them. Um, so yeah, have you ever felt embarrassed or or awkward when people like sing your praises and stuff? Uh, yeah to some degree yeah you know uh, I'm not uh, the best person at taking compliments in the world yeah um I wouldn't say you know it's all it's always nice to receive praise and um recognition for what you do yeah um, but at the same time I do it because I want to do it I don't do things because I you know I want that recognition that validation that praise from someone else um you know it's like the little things I'm never gonna I don't know, I'm never going to do an extra gym session because I want to be the coach to say in front of everyone, oh, look at him, he's doing extra gym sessions. I want to do that extra session for me, mm. uh, for my own personal benefit, my own personal praise, rather than that external praise from from other people. Yeah. Um, you say you say, you say now that you're, um, you're living in an apartment, but when mm. you first went to Wolves, um, before you went out on loan, were you like living in, because I know some clubs have these, they have like like hotels, and stuff yeah so we yeah. did you live in like a like a wolves hotel then and if you did like before you went um after you came back from your loan spell at rochdale like what was what was that like living living in a hotel um so obviously like when i first moved to wolves that was right before um the covid hit so i kind of didn't know when because i went straight back on loan to Rochdale after i signed so i didn't know when the league one season was going to start when it was going to end mm. um so then when it <clears throat> excuse me when it did finally end and then Wolves brought me in for pre-season. Things weren't really um, opening up again. Things hadn't really fully opened up from from COVID yet. So I couldn't really I couldn't find really find anywhere to to move myself in permanently down here. So then uh, Wolves did 
put me, me and a few other lads in the hotel because like they couldn't go into digs and things like that. So it wasn't a Wolves hotel. It was just a hotel that a couple of us stayed in for a okay. couple of weeks so we could find somewhere to stay type thing. And so now you're, you're living in, I mean, looks like a nice apartment from your sure you think. Um, so, and you said there's a couple of other Wolves, the Academy players there. Did yeah. Wolves help you find that place to live and have they helped you like settle into Wolverhampton? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wolves have been absolutely brilliant with this place. So obviously, I think a lot of the apartments Wolves actually own. So we just rent it through them um, okay. type thing. You know, if I wanted to move on, if I went on loan, that's why it's really good for us. So say if we went on loan in January, there's no contract type things that we're tied down to. So we're paying for two places, you know, one here, where and wherever we go on loan. So if we went on loan in January, that's where we stopped paying for this place and they could put another player in. Um, type things. I think there's about eight or nine of us who live in this actual whole apartment building. Right. Um, so yeah, I've just sorted all that out for us. You know, um, we just asked if um, if anywhere to they could put us, and then there's apartments here and somewhere across um another building. So they've been brilliant with all that. Yeah. Obviously, when you came back um, from Rochdale on loan, and I think you stayed with Wolves the first half of the next season of the 2021 yeah, yeah. season. Um. And then you went on loan to Ips, it was Ipswich first, wasn't it? Um, then then went up to Scotland, and then then you went to Scunthorpe last year. Um, I just want to ask, like, obviously a lot of like academy players do that when they get to go to a big club, they'll go out on loan to lower leagues or different leagues, or whatever. Like, what's that like moving so often from city to city or from from town to town? And sometimes in this case, from country to country, because you went up to Scotland. Yeah, uh, obviously it is hard like leaving everything behind in like a day so like Ipswich I got the call on the Wednesday I was traveling down the Thursday trained Friday started Saturday so think yeah so things happen like like that like you don't have time that's probably a beneficial aspect of it is you don't have time to think about it yeah really you know go into depth of what's happened it's kind of like all right this is happening yeah I'm on I think, and then uh, football clubs are brilliant at sorting things out. So, you know, I had a hotel the next night to stay in a nip switch. I had my own place a week and a half later type thing. Um, so it's really not something you actually have time to think about until you're actually there. Mm. Um, and, you know, the lads everywhere I've been, the lads have been brilliant, welcoming welcoming me into the squad and the new environments and stuff. Um, so you kind of just, you, you do just get used to it at, at the same time, to be honest with you. When you went up to Hamilton, obviously that I think that's that's from my memory that's not too far from Glasgow. So yeah, like, yeah. what what is what's that? What was that like living up in Scotland? Because I bet you when you were little, you never thought you'd live <laughs> no. up 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 that far north. So like, what was that like? Well, first of all, it was freezing all the time because <laughs> the winter alone as well. So it was yeah. absolutely freezing, um, and it was difficult at the start because there was just nowhere for me to stay. So I was in a hotel for about seven weeks, seven and a half weeks, uh, initially off the loan until I actually found somewhere. It was literally in the middle of nowhere, about probably about 25, 30 minutes from, from Glasgow itself. So I was in the middle of nowhere. It was just mm. one little house with a couple of us around it. Mm. So that was about it. Um, that was probably my hardest loan mm. uh, in terms of settling and type thing, just because I was not near anything. I'd literally just left everything all my friend group behind in the summer type thing so that was probably the hardest one from that aspect of of, of things yeah um I saw somewhere that you said that you're like your parents have helped you loads um so yeah 
Before I get to your mum, I'm just wondering, like, what's your um, how, how supportive has like your dad been? Uh, he, I, I, I start. I, I, I can't put it into words what what my parents have done for me. Is like my dad, you know, he'd finish work. He used to teach. He would finish work. You know, what four o'clock on the days I'd have training. Pick me up from school, after school club. We go straight to training. We'd be there for be there by five. Not a minute late. Never late. Nothing like that. You know, we sit in the car marking papers grading papers from other kids you know like he just did everything for me and he, he still does uh you know I, I know if I ever need anything I just have to pick up the phone text him and anything and he'll, he'll be there you know like when I need a surgery in December you know he's driving me to London you know just things like that when I need surgery in February he's driving me to Manchester coming to pick me up so I don't have to worry about the driving the traveling type of thing I can just solely focus on on the football aspect of him you know I, ca I can't say enough I can't thank thank him enough for what he's done for me. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. I thought, because I, I saw something that your dad was like very like supportive and protective of you and stuff. Um, on to your mum, I read somewhere um, when she actually went to the United game and she watched you and that was her first game back after she was like, um, she wasn't very well. If you don't, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, um, like what was her illness? Because I believe she's okay now. She yeah, yeah, she oh, she's doing absolutely brilliant now. Um, so basically, long story short was, when I was in year 11 and I got my first um, England call up in the February, obviously mum, dad and Hannah, sister, they all wanted to come down and stuff to support me, you know, as a family would do when you're representing your country for the first time. And mm. um, then the night before, I mean, my debut versus France, uh, my mum got really, really ill type thing. Mum, dad and Hannah had to rush her to the hospital and she ended up having to have like an emergency operation where she got a third of her bowel removed and stuff like that. Mm, right. Okay. So she was, yeah, she was really, really ill. They, I had to obviously fly back with England and stuff, do my GCSEs and stay with friends and stuff. While they had to stay, because she couldn't fly, they had to stay in, in Spain for about a month, just over a month while she recovered. And then, yeah, no, it's a bit, like I said, it's a bit, that was February then. It was a long road to recovery. And then I'm so grateful. Um, that she she got to come to that United game. That was the first game since yeah. since illness, obviously. So you, you didn't see her for like weeks, then if she was in Spain getting. I didn't I didn't see her since I left from, um, took off before um obviously I took off from left to to England camp at St George and stuff. That's the last time I seen her wow. until she came back for about a month later. And mum dad and then obviously I saw my dad and Hannah at the France game because my mum really you know they didn't want they didn't want them to miss that so they came. To that England England debut and stuff, my dad literally just burst into tears when he saw me after the game. Mm. Um, so obviously that was a really really emotional time for for us as a family. But yeah, she's absolutely. I'm so so proud of her. She's doing so like she's doing amazing now. Yeah. Well, that, that's good to hear because uh, when I was younger, my mum was ill and like problems with bowels yeah. as well. So yeah, it's yeah. it's good it's good to have a healthy mum around. Definitely, oh, yeah, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So moving on to like your your like footballing journey now and stuff. Um, you started at football so young. Uh, went to Rochdale when you like you said when you were eight years old, and then you made your professional debut at just the age of fifteen. Rochdale's like youngest debutant ever. Um, yeah. What's that like? Like, how do you feel it's impacted your career and, and your playing style, your performances, just being chucked straight into senior football like that? Because obviously some clubs. They go from age group to age group. They'll make it to the under 21s and then after the under 21s, and they'll slowly get integrated into the senior scene. Whereas you, you're 15, bang, they've chucked you straight in there um, and you played loads of games to them. So, yeah, just wondering your thoughts on that. 
Uh, I think it like helped me help me mature earlier um, because you know, like I said, people's like people um, don't necessarily realize this, but people's lives are on the line season from season in League One and League Two. Mm. Um, you know, players football is not a guarantee. You know, players don't have a contract every single year, so being a part of that at 15 like you said 15 16 where people's people's careers people's lifestyles people's families you know if you get if a club gets relegated your wages might get cut in half as part of your contract you might just get released and not have anywhere to go mm. um so being trusted to be you know part of the 11 that's involved in that i had to mature straight away you know i couldn't be a kid i couldn't learn the game as I go as I went um and people just took me under the ring you know I've, I've always said that I, I'm not where I am today solely because of me I'm here because of the people that have helped me on the way uh, and I'm very grateful to every single one of them mm-hmm. but yeah you definitely had to I had to mature earlier to be a part of you know a, a team you know it's, it I, it was never it was never just me you know it was always just Rochdale mm-hmm. And I also saw um, you said that you had to do all like the uh, usual affiliated like apprentice jobs um, at Rochdale, like cleaning the boots and all that stuff. Um, how much do you think that that helped you like humble yourself and become a bit more grounded? Because speaking to you now, you seem quite grounded for a, for a high level footballer. Um, like, and also like, do you think all clubs should do that? Because I mean, I imagine like clubs like I don't know Real Madrid, or maybe they do. I don't know. Or Man United, they might not necessarily get their can we kids to wash their boots or wash the senior guys' boots or whatever? So yeah, yeah. Like I said, that's that never bothered me. You know, that's just the way things were. You know, at these that's just the way it was in football clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how it had been for years and years and years. So why was I going to be any different than anyone else? Um, the only thing regarding that that I actually really really disliked was when uh, I obviously signed my pro and became a part of it like officially part of Rochdale's first team squad they someone had to wash my boots if that makes sense so I was was a 16 year old um kid playing in the first team and someone had to wash my boots which I really really didn't like but I you know that was the gaffer's way that was the Rochdale way I couldn't there was nothing I could do about it yeah Um, it's the only thing that really I didn't like was that someone you know potentially older than me because I was so young was cleaning my boots and I just just didn't sit right with me that's the only thing that really bothered me with that Mm. Um. Uh. So obviously, twenty nineteen, you scored your goal uh, against United at Old at Old Trafford. Um. And then you signed your pro contract a few weeks later. Like, what was that feeling like signing your first professional contract? Obviously, you said you dreamed of being a footballer. Loads of like lads and girls dream of being a professional footballer. Was that was it like a sense of relief? Like, oh, thank God, I've actually got this. Or was it like, was it like a shock? Like, even though you've been playing league on football, professional football then, was it like? Oh my god! Like this is actually for real now. Uh, yeah, it's never something that I actually expected to happen. So you know, like I've said, I've always said, you know, going being able to go to Portugal with Rochdale that preseason, I never ever dreamed of that happening. You know, mm-hmm. starting against United, I never ever dreamed of that happening. You know, like it, it's not something where it's like tick 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 tick. You have to go along these things in my mind that I needed to do. Things kind of just happened because of how I acted and what I did. Yeah. Um so it, it was like a, a moment where I was like, damn, I've kind of I've actually I'm actually a professional footballer now. Like that's when it was like officially, because obviously I'd played loads of games before that and even scored and got an assist before that. So it was kind of just like 
this is now when it's kind of like official, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Must, that must be a great feeling. Cause I know some of us like seeing a professional, even like just like seeing a contract for that you think, Oh my God, like this is actually proper, proper now. Um, yeah. When you got signed by Wolves in January, you got signed for a one million pounds. Like I've always like wanted to know this and ask football footballers. It's like, what do you think of being at that? What do you think? What do you feel like being worth that amount of money? Like, is that like a? That must be like a really weird feeling. Like someone's paid for me one million pounds. That's seven figures. That's loads of money. Like, how, what does that even feel like? Yeah, when you put it like that, it is kind of crazy. But that, to me, is not what... That's what other people value me, if, if that makes sense. That's yeah. not my actual value, if that makes sense in my head. Um, so that might be what, what Wolves value is of me is. I don't know what another club is, what another club here, there. Everyone has their opinions. Everyone has their different things. That's just one specific instance of evaluation from a specific club, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but when you do put it like that, yeah, it is, you know, that's a lot of money. Mm. Um, so when you put it like that, it, is, it does make you feel valuable, if that makes sense. Um, and it almost makes you want to, you know, it's almost pressure, but it's not pressure at the same time. It's just you have this number put against you, you know, that that's there forever, whether I want it or not. That yeah. just means that, it's part of me and I have to prove that that's part of me and that Wolves made the right decision at paying whatever they chose to pay. Yeah, I, I just always want to say that, like, it's just, to me, if someone, if I was paid, like, if you see it on TV or something, like, one million pounds, I just think that's so weird. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you played for England in the 17s and in the racings. Um, what, I just wanted to know, like, what's the camaraderie like when you came into those camps, like, Obviously, you're playing with lots of other lads that are playing up and down the country. In some cases, might have been playing abroad. Like, what's that like when you're in together for like a couple of days and you have to gel with each other and then play in like in a couple of days? Like, what what's that like? Like, did you all get along fine? Yeah, no, nah, everyone everyone was was top. Everyone was great. The only thing that was like kind of difficult was um obviously I was the only one from Rochdale, whereas a lot of these kids um and guys were from United City, Arsenal, Chelsea. So they all knew each other and had relationships already, where I was kind of like the newbie coming mm -hmm. in, you know, from little old Rochdale um, type thing. That was the only thing that was was hard and difficult. Everyone was dead welcome. Everyone was great. You know, I still talk to some of them to this day. So, yeah, they were all, all top lads, yeah. Nice. Um, I saw on, I don't know, you know the website Transfer Marks or Transfer Market, I don't know how you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It said, when I clicked on your profile, it said that you're also eligible to play for Scotland. Is that right? Could you play for Scotland? I've heard this, but I don't actually know how it all works. And specifically, I think it's my great, uh, my great granddad that was Scottish, and obviously Matheson's a Scottish name. Yeah. So I think that's how that works. But I don't know if that's that has any truth to okay. it or anything. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, oh, like, would you ever consider playing for Scotland? But I'm guessing that's that's a no because you obviously. No, I don't know if I actually can. So. Yeah, yeah, you don't even know if you are. So. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be pretty, pretty weird if they asked you and you're like, wait, what? I, I am Scottish? What? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I, I don't blame you. Um, when you went on loan to Ipswich and Hamilton, um, obviously you've been on loan to Scunthorpe as well and you work with um, Keith Hill there, your boss at Rochdale. Yeah. Um, and I I'm, think I'm right in saying that your loan spell at Scunthorpe was 
not that bad, right? It was pretty. Yeah, it was from yeah, yeah. from some yeah. aspects. Um, obviously, Ipswich and Hamilton. Perhaps you didn't get as much playing time as initially you would have wanted. Um, yeah. Is that fair to say? And if it is, oh, like, yeah. why, why, why didn't those? Obviously, you said a bit about why Hamilton didn't work out because they literally stuck you out in the middle of nowhere. But with Ipswich, like, why didn't it work? 100%? Yeah. Uh, so I don't actually think a lot of people know this, but I actually tore my LCL um, oh, last season. So my, I, I obviously I started. Obviously, Paul Lambert was the manager at the time. I started my first, I think it was two out of the first three games there. Uh, and then obviously the change of manager happened where Paul Cook came in and his this was about a month into the loan and his first training session or second training session, I tore my LCL. So that was me out for the season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I obviously went back to Wolves straight away, rehab there and stuff. Um, so that was about a three and a half, four month rehab. Um, so yeah, that was my, that's why I didn't really play it. It was because I, I tore my knee. So when you did eventually train with Wolves um, for a bit, um, I think it was just before you went on loan to Ipswich. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what was that like training with like the Wolves uh, Academy boy or the Wolves first team compared to like Roch compared to Rochdale training and that, that kind of stuff? Um, so yeah, obviously it was a lot more advanced as you can imagine a Premier League club in comparison to a League One club. Yeah. Uh, so like the under 18s and stuff had more staff than Rochdale have as an entire club type thing. So there's just more of everything. You know, I would never have dreamed of, you know, like needing a nutritionist, but then Wolves have a nutritionist employed. So it's like little things like that. It's just um more advanced off the pitch, I'd say. On the pitch, it's not too dissimilar. Obviously, the caliber of player then goes up when you're training with the likes of Dam Traore, Jimenez, Neves type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to Rochdale but aside from that you know it's football still football and you know coaches try to make it as simple for us as it can as they can that will always be um, what they try and do for us so in that aspect it's not too dissimilar from, yeah. from Rochdale. Um, and when you, when you mentioned like your injury um, before like I'm guessing like how much did Wolves I'm guessing Wolves must have helped loads of that Um so we, like, would you say like they they look they've they've looked obviously you mentioned that they helped you out with the apartments and stuff. Um, so did they like help you loads with like really your recovery from injury? Um, your oh yeah, health as well. Have they helped a lot a lot with that as well? Yeah, yeah. Wolves, wolves were brilliant with the injury. You know, um, as soon as you know it happened uh, on the day, uh, it was I had a scan the same the next day, uh, the local uh, Nuffield to get an MRI. That then got reported back to Wolves. The physio called me up saying what that had torn it, and that was coming back to Wolves for rehab. And then every single day you have um, a program, and it's not you know obviously like now I've done my hamstring. It's not too dissimilar from that. You know you have a a, a daily program with the physio. You have a check in in the morning. Um, he notes down in his notepad everything, and you have a program that gets updated weekly. You know there's always someone with you taking over your rehab, taking part, taking what you need to do. So it's never you're never left on your own. And I'm sure that's the same at every single football club. To um, to be honest with you, um, not just the big the big Premier League ones as well. Okay, um, and so like, uh, do you still like feel like a little niggle like in your ACL from time to time since then, or have you like it's like completely recovered now? Like you feel like you were back how you were back before it. Uh, it was my LCL, sorry, LCL. And, uh, yeah, and um, nah, I can't I can't feel it at all. So uh, obviously the rehab's gone gone swimmingly and I've fully fully recovered from the, from that that injury that's good um when you were when you would when you did did do some training of the Wolves first team um like you mentioned like Adama Traore like 
when you're like even in training like do you ever think like well holy heck like i'm actually training with these guys you know because you're also used to seeing them on the tv and stuff playing in the premier league every week like yeah. did that like i'm guess how much did like that like hit you like as like a younger guy look, looking up to these guys was like holy crap like i'm actually yeah that that i've said that fantasy never changes yeah. Uh, I remember like, from the first day I signed, I was just walking through and you know, peering into the gym and you're seeing all these players that you see on TV. You never think you'd be playing with them, let alone at the same building, same club as them. Uh, so, yeah, that, that fantasy never wears off. You know, every time we're asked to train or called up to train mm. uh, with the first team, you know, you see these faces, you know, that they're, they're not, you know, these big time players. You know, they'll always come and say hello, good morning to us if we bump into them in the morning. Um, so yeah, every single player is brilliant, brilliant from that aspect of things as well. Um, so you obviously you've had three loan spells, Ipswich, Hamilton, Scunthorpe. I feel like we've talked about them a lot. Um, now that you're with the now that you're in with the academy this season and you haven't gone on loan, what is that do you think that's benefited you a lot? Like just instead of traveling, like you said, when you had to you knew you were going on Wednesday, you traveled on Thursday, you trained on Friday, then you started on Saturday. Yeah. Like, it be nice just to like finally just stay in Wolverhampton for once and play, getting into like a good routine. How much has that helped? Oh yeah, no, it's it's been brilliant. You know, I've I've been able to form relationships here with um players and make some really really good friends that I haven't been able to in the past just simply because you know a, a three week preseason before you know people go onto their various loans across the country is just not enough time to build a relationship. Mm. Um. With someone, whereas, you know, being here and obviously rehabbing now with some specific lads, you know, I'm with them every day, rehabbing in the gym, just being able to build those relationships that, you know, to turn from, you know, professional relationships into actual friendships and mm-hmm. um, the longer you get to know each other. So from that aspect, yeah, it's been it's been brilliant to have a bit of stability and things like that. Um, Obviously, um, Bruno, when you did start the season with Wolves this year, obviously Bruno Large, Large, uh, don't know how to say his last name, but uh, obviously he was the Wolves head coach, and now since then they brought in like Julian Lepetegui. I've just wondered, um, since Lepetegui has came in, um, has he like spoken to the you or any of the of the Wolves academy lads? Um, has there just been any sort of dialogue with him? Has anything changed since he's come in with the with the academy, or is it still the same? Uh- it's obviously, you know, the 23s manager has his own personal control. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Type thing. But, you know, he's, uh, the gaffer's always, you know, if I bump into him in the car park or in the morning and stuff like that, he's always saying good morning. Mm. Or, you know, he doesn't completely, you know, cast off the younger players. Mm. Uh, he's, he's not necessarily involved because that's obviously the 23s yeah. manager and stuff like that. Um, but when we're on training pitch with stuff, he's not casting us aside like we're just mannequins and stuff there. You know, we're actual players that he sees clearly. You can tell he just values and stuff like that. Yeah. I was just asking that because I know sometimes managers, when they come in, they'll take a good look at their academy um, yeah. team struggling or whatever to see who, who they have. Um, uh, a couple of last questions now. Um, when you were at Rochdale, you played with a certain um, someone called Jim McNulty. Um, yeah. And I also saw some of that, you, how highly um, you rated him um, at Rochdale. Um, being such a young guy, getting into the football game, was he like, um, obviously I know your dad helped loads, but was Jim like another like extra paternal figure and how much did he help you in your career? Uh, Jim was uh, an angel to me. Um, 
you know, I've always, I, I know if I, I needed something, I could pick up the phone right now and call Jim and he'd give me honest 100% yeah. uh, advice. Um, And I kind of just got to know him because on my first like away day, I didn't know really where to sit. So I kind of just sat at the front of the of the team bus and that happened to be next to him. So we kind of oh. got to know that way type thing. Um, and from then on, he was like my dad in football. Like he just put his arm around me. Uh, obviously, he was a centre half as well, so we were spending a lot of time together as defenders and yeah. things like that. But yeah, I have so much respect, and I, I owe him so much for what he's done for me in footballing world. Yeah, and also saw like you also. Um, I mean, he's at Everton now, but also saw that you rated Connor Cody a lot as well. He was at Wolves. So with you, is it always like? Obviously, you're a right back. And obviously, a lot of communication is needed in the fence with your centre half. Do you feel like that's just paramount to any like successful team? Just as long as you have like a a good, strong centre half who yeah, he screams and shouts all the time, but at least he keeps you on your toes in that. Um, so, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, you know, characters like Connor Cody will completely change a dressing room on and off the pitch. Uh, he's like one of the most helpful people I've ever been with in football in terms of speaking you know we'd be training as the 23s on the pitch next to him and you can just hear Connor shouting um, and just talking throughout the whole entire training session mm. um, so from that aspect yeah it's always you know not every team has a Connor Cody that's why players like that are so so um, so so valuable but yeah he, he's always he, he was top with academy players as well you know always speaking so was always getting us involved in stuff and never making sure anyone ever, ever felt left out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, last question. I always ask my guest this same question at the end all the time. Obviously, this podcast is called In 10 Years Time. Um, obviously, you're 20 now. Um, it's 20, it's 2023, February. I was just wondering, imagine yourself in 10 years. It's 2033. <laughs> you'll go, you'll be, you'd be 30 um, by that time. So I'm just wondering... In 10 years' time, where would you like your career to be? What do you want to be doing in 10 years' time? Uh, in 10 years' time, hopefully, you know, touch wood, um, I'll still be playing football and I will want to have uh, been able to, you know, look back at the past 10 years and I've had a successful career both on and off the pitch. Um, I've enjoyed where I've played my football, whatever level that may be. I've enjoyed, you know, the people I've met. I've still got friends for life. Um, but I won't say, you know, there's a specific destination or a specific goal that I need to achieve. Otherwise, I failed in my career. As long as I'm happy and I've done my best and genuinely, genuinely, genuinely achieved the best that I feel I've possibly achieved, that will, I'll be, I'll be content and I'll be over the moon and more than happy um, with that. So, yeah, hopefully I'll still be playing and be able to look back at what I've done with a smile on my face. Okay. Good. Um, uh, Luke, thank you so much. You've been a great guest. Um, thanks for giving uh, been... a bit of my time, bit of your time of your day for this. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully see you get through the academy. Hopefully, seeing get you some Premier League minutes as well. I think that'd be excellent. I think the talent's definitely, definitely there. Um, and yes, thanks so much again, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, no problem. No problem.